Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Scripture records in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In this passage, God called Abraham. And he called him to leave his family, to leave his home, to go to a foreign country, to be a father of many nations, and to be the one through whom the whole world would be blessed. God called Abraham. And like Abraham, Christians have responded to the call of God. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14, Paul says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God chooses us like he chose Abraham. He calls us by the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he calls us to salvation to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the call that Abraham experienced is like the call we experience as Christians. So I'd like to extract a few things from Abraham's calling and draw some lessons from it. When God calls us, we have to leave what we love behind. A second thing we can learn is we don't know what will happen in the future if we respond to God's call. And finally, the reward for heeding God's call may not be immediate. Responding to God's call means leaving what we love behind. Luke records the story of the rich young ruler in chapter 18, verses 18 through 28. The man came to Jesus with the question, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus quizzes him about keeping various commands, to which the man responds, Yes, I have kept those all my life. In verse 22, when Jesus heard his response, he says to the man, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And Come, follow me. What was Jesus expecting this man to do? Well, Jesus called the man to follow him. But to follow Jesus, the man had to leave what he loved behind, a step of faith he could not take. When the rich young ruler heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Later in verse 28, Peter pipes up to say, See, we have left all and followed you. Peter left a wife and family and his business behind to follow after Jesus. Matthew left behind his position as a tax collector. James, John, and Andrew also left behind their livelihoods as fishermen. 
This was by no means the first time Jesus taught this principle. Earlier in chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, Jesus meets three people who want to follow him. But each of these men had something which stood in their way of immediately following Christ. The first says, I'll follow you wherever you go, without considering what exactly that might entail. The second man says to Jesus, let me bury my father first, and then I will follow you. The third man wants to say goodbye to his family. Once he has done so, he will follow Jesus. Now, Jesus responds to each of those men in three different ways. He warns the first man, you will be leaving all of your comforts behind. To the second man, he says, preaching the kingdom to the spiritually dead is more important than your family. And finally, the third man had to realize, once you follow Jesus, you can't look back if you want to go to heaven. When Jesus calls, we need to be fully prepared to walk away from what seems important at the moment. We may be required to sacrifice our comforts, our friendships, important obligations, and our dearest relationships to follow after Christ. Consequently, we should not make this decision lightly. As Jesus says elsewhere, count the cost. Count the cost before we commit to him. We need to decide if we are really willing to set aside everything we love to follow him. Just like Abraham, who left behind home and family and much of what he loved, so too we are called to leave what we love behind. A second parallel we can draw between our calling as Christians and Abraham's calling is, when we respond to God's call, we don't always know what will be ahead. In the last week of December, our family was visiting my wife's parents. Our home is about three hours north of my in-laws, and a significant ice and snowstorm were predicted for our area. I watched the forecast closely, and it appeared the storm would hit on December 29th at around 11 o'clock a.m. I checked the radar early on the morning of December 29th. I checked the road conditions, and they were clear all the way home and decided to take my family home that morning. We arrived home at 10 o'clock with no problems and with enough time to make last-minute preparations before the snow began falling. Everything worked out exactly the way it was supposed to, but walking by faith rarely works that way. The writer of Hebrews observed, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, And he went out not knowing where he was going. Chapter 11, verse 8. Abraham left all that he knew and did not know where he was going. I have a good friend who became a Christian late in life. He spent over 30 years in the aerospace industry building satellites, and he considered himself an atheist. I asked him to share with me about his journey to faith, and here's one of the things he said. Jesus, being the way himself, points the way to faith in his Sermon on the Mount. People listening to that sermon may have marveled at what he said. Maybe they broke up into focus groups to discuss what he had said over coffee and donuts. But at the end of his sermon, he gives the command to enter by the narrow gate. He doesn't say, I suggest you consider taking the narrow gate. 
Faith is achieved by going through that door in the absence of assurances that the road beyond will be wide and easy. In fact, Jesus says that there will be trouble for Christians ahead. The point is, I was trying to put the cart before the horse, trying to achieve faith in Christ before becoming baptized. I had a lot of questions about what a life of faith was like. It's like a single man who is contemplating marriage and wants to know what life as a husband and father is like. Walking by faith means we can never be sure of what lies ahead. If we don't know what will be in the future, if we don't know what the results will be, why take this step at all? Why walk by faith? Going back to the example of Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, the writer talks about his wife, Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. To answer God's call, we must consider all the ways in which God has been faithful. And based on his faithfulness, we can take the step out. So when we respond to God's call, we will not know how things will turn out. But we know others have found God faithful, and Jesus himself has shown us the way. So no, we do not know what the future holds. But that's what it means to walk by faith, and it's what's required of us to respond to God's call. The final point I want to make is the reward for responding to God's call is seldom immediate. When Sarah died, Abraham had nowhere to bury her. He was forced to negotiate a purchase of land with some Hittites. Abraham had vast riches, but he had no homeland. God had promised him an inheritance on the land where he pitched his tents and grazed his flocks, but that promise was for later generations. Like Abraham, God's call to us contains a promise. Going back to 2 Thessalonians 2.14, Paul says, To which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God promises us salvation. He promises us glory through Jesus Christ. But it's a promise for the future. This makes our calling similar to Abraham's calling. As the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Does this mean that if we leave what we love behind, there is no reward until we get to heaven? By no means. Remember, God had richly blessed Abraham, even though he didn't own a grain of sand in that land. And the same is true for Christians. Luke chapter 18, verses 29 through 30, Jesus says to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Christ gives us a new family. He gives us a heavenly father. He gives us a mother in the church. He himself is our older brother, and we have siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ. Those relationships are intact no matter where we go. So while God does not reward us immediately for responding to his call, 
Like Abraham, our inheritance is far off in the future. In the meantime, however, he blesses us in other ways that make our journey more bearable, sweeter, and rewarding. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will. So